0: So science is a pretty amazing discipline. Now, I've I've got some people I know who are scientists who uh, sit there and listen to me talk, and they're like, ah, you have no idea what the heck you're talking about. And in most cases, that's probably true. Uh, There are many fields of study, uh, like biology, geology, volcanology, and chemistry. I know a little bit of each of those. However, there's one field of science that I feel is the most fun and the most enlightening, and that is physics. I am not a physicist by any means. I'm 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 no Stephen Hawking, uh, but uh, I appreciate what physics can be used for. See, physicists study matter, energy, motion, and force, and there are even different branches within this field of study, like astrophysics, applied physics, nuclear physics, and theoretical physics. Uh, personally, I prefer applied physics. Uh, I I love watching this channel on YouTube called The Slow-Mo Guys. Uh, they've actually since updated their channel. They're calling it something else now. Uh, and they actually got their start. Uh, they were uh, producers and, and they were creative types working with uh, Rooster Teeth and the Red vs. Blue Machinima uh, series based out of Austin, Texas. Um, and they post these videos where they create explosions, they fire guns, uh, they splatter food, they sl- and they slow down the frames to give the viewers a detailed glimpse of everything that typically happens in the blink of an eye. And some of these videos are just so cool. Uh, one of my favorites is where they have this table laid out and they have like dozens of mousetraps all set and ready to go it took them hours to set them up and they have one of their guys just slam his hands down on the table and they just watch in very slow motion as all of those mousetraps get set off simultaneously it's the coolest thing the coolest thing um Now, for me, the way that I learned to apply physics was through martial arts. Uh, Between middle school and college, I trained in a variety of different styles of martial arts. Most of it was Taekwondo. That was my basis. Uh, I currently hold a blue belt in Taekwondo. Uh, I didn't rank up anything higher than that. Uh, And one of my teachers was adamant that if we, his students, were going to learn the techniques that we were going to learn then we needed to know what it felt like to get punched or kicked or struck or grappled or thrown. His reasoning was simple. There were repercussions and consequences that occurred if we perform the techniques right and if we perform them incorrectly. Um, The moves were intended to cause injury to an opponent, but in practice, if we got them wrong, it could cause severe injury to our friends and our classmates on one occasion uh, I almost hyperextended my own right knee uh, because my training partner couldn't figure out how to do a proper leg throw we were on the mat the mat sat about an inch or so off the ground it was a really nice cushiony surface so that if in the event that one of us fell it didn't hurt so bad but he wouldn't do the throw and when I told him to just let go of my foot he wouldn't do it and eventually he, as he was holding my left leg and my right leg was uh, holding up all my weight he eventually walked me off the edge of the mat and as my heel went down my knee locked up and it strained those ligaments. I'm glad nothing more was done. Uh, That would have been a severe injury. It would have taken me months to recover instead of just maybe a couple of days. Uh, Physics are a natural part of life. Even in our spiritual lives as Christians. Uh, Our passage for today, for this episode, uh, it's a wonderful example of how a base understanding of physics can affect our walk with God. Uh, and so bear with me because uh, I think you're going to really get a kick out of this. This comes out of Galatians. Uh, so, last week, or the last episode, we uh, I pulled from Ephesians. This is coming from just a few pages at, before that out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And it says this So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, self-ambition, dissensions, faction and envy, drunkenness orgies and the like I warn you as I did before that those who live this like this will not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to jesus christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying each other. So, Sir Isaac Newton was one of the world's first physicists. He's the guy that first understood the principles of gravity and how it worked. He wrote a document entitled The Laws of Motion, which has remained an important document in the physics community since 1687. That's a long, long time. All right. So, according to his third law, third and final law in the laws of motion, when one body exerts a force on a second body, the second body simultaneously exerts a force equal in magnitude and opposite in direction on the first body. Basically, if something happens, there is going to be a response. Uh, And you're probably thinking, so that's a great great science lesson in all, Garrett, but what does that have to do with our Bible passage this morning? Well, uh, it's simple. How we behave in the words we say, especially in regards to other people, and this goes back to what I was talking about last week with loving God, loving people, uh, and serving the world, the motto from my home church congregation. Uh, It's going to create a profound impact In our spiritual lives and our walk with Christ, Paul's words to the Galatians have a clear message that explains that how we live directly affects who we are, how we act, and what we say. I want you to consider a question, and I want you to be honest, not with me, because obviously you can't respond to me unless you're sending some kind of comment or whatever on whatever platform you're listening. But I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you think that you were in control of yourself? Would you say that self-control is one of your uh, one of your best personality traits? Here's the honest truth. If we think that we are in control, we really aren't. I mean, looking at the situation that we are in now globally with the pandemic and the shelter in place and everything I know I keep coming back to that I mean hey after all the podcast is called quarantine christian I'm going to it's going to be kind of a running theme if not a running gag at some point but we are most definitely not in control right now the thing that has us in control is a microscopic particle that threatens to to kill humanity if we don't treat it properly and aggressively. And a lot of what's guiding and governing our decision-making processes is fear and panic. And I I think men in black said it best. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky animals. I I know it's kind of a, a nihilistic way to look at it, but it's the honest truth. If we think we're in control, we really aren't. Looking at the list of sinful characteristics that Paul defines in Galatians 5, every single item in that list employs a considerable lack of self-control. The sexual sins, the idolatry, uh, the negative emotional states, the, uh, the drunken debauchery highlight worshiping only one God. And it's not the God of heaven, it's the God of self. And the self, just like any other created God or idol, is counterfeit to the real thing. If you turn on the news, or if you watch internet videos, or you follow pretty much any social media site, you'll get an eye and an earful of the violence and the aggression taking place around the world. You're going to see the self-aggrandizing that celebrities do taking place on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and the promotion of the self over anything else in creation. And I, I got to say, I have been a part of that. Now, I don't post a whole heck of a lot on Facebook these days. Most of what I post are Bible verses that I've been exposed to as I've been going through my, my morning devotionals. Uh, but as I've said in a previous episode, I'm an author uh and i do a po- i do another podcast i do uh a series of videos on youtube and those are a lot of those are to promote myself as an author but i was also using them to promote other people as well trying to help them out in with you know building up their following as authors but and social media is good for that especially on a business end but if that becomes your sole focus you're not focusing on god you're not focusing on people you're not focusing on serving the world all right and it's and it makes you counterfeit to the real thing Uh, here are just a couple of examples that i've come across especially in reference uh to social media sites the american psychiatric association the apa has recently christened a new psychological disorder Uh, and this is going back a couple of years ago uh, when they when they came up with this disorder, but as uh, but in the last few years, there's a mental illness called selfitis. I'm not joking. Selfitis it is categorized in three ways. The first is borderline selfitis, which is quantified by taking at least three selfies a day, but not posting them to any social media site. Honestly, I don't take a whole lot of selfies. I'm not even borderline on this. All right. The second is acute selfitis, which involves taking at least three selfies on a daily basis and posting them online. So that's at minimum three selfies. Finally, there is chronic selfitis, which is described as having the uncontrollable urge to repeatedly take selfies at any time of the day and posting them online more than six times daily. Some of the people that I follow on on Instagram, as I'm promoting myself as an author, uh, those they they're posting. Some of them are cosplayers, some of them are are uh, authors, some of them are uh, a variety of people that I interact with. They are posting uh, multiple images of themselves at least six times a day. This disorder has impacted other psychological disorders including depression and body dysmorphic disorder that's where you're unhappy with the way that you uh look and the and it leads in that second one especially leads to cases of bulimia and anorexia nervosa and a bunch of other stuff. Um, in July of 2014 uh, about a month after I got married I was in Las Vegas because I was performing I was I was the officiant for my cousin's wedding. Uh it was a really really fun wedding, uh really beautiful. Although I don't know why anyone would set a uh, ceremony for a July wedding outdoors in the middle of Las Vegas. It was hot. It just for the ref, for future reference, if you're thinking about getting married in Las Vegas, do it in like the middle of winter when it's not so bad. Anyway, um so, you know, we know that Vegas is referred to as Sin City, which is ironic considering the fact that that's not how it was supposed to be established when it was first a boomtown. Um, if you go back in history, uh, it's actually funny. The, uh, the Mormons actually built Las Vegas before uh, before abandoning it pretty much entirely. Um but Sin City is appropriately named because it reflects the self-centered, sinful nature that Paul describes. I mean, Vegas is notorious for capitalizing on marriage more times in one day than any other place on earth in a given year. Uh, my wife and I, we got there on a Thursday. We were there for the weekend. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because Fr- thir- uh, So we had Thursday to kind of just acclimate to it. Friday was the, uh, was the rehearsal. Saturday was the actual wedding. Then Sunday, we... We left. Now, the this was also around the same weekend as my brother's birthday. Uh, so, thir- so that Thursday night, my wife and I joined my parents and my brother and his then girlfriend for dinner uh, to celebrate my brother's 28th birthday. Uh, and after we finished dinner, my wife and I decided to to walk off our meal by going into some of the shops in the resorts on the Strip. Uh, and this was my second trip to Vegas ever. The last time I went was in 2001. So there was a 13-year gap between the first time that I went to Vegas and the second time. Um, and for me, I'm, what I marveled at was some of the architecture and how the places like the Paris, the Venetian, and Caesar's Palace try very, very hard to model their facades and the interiors of their, of their casinos to look as quote-unquote authentic as possible. It reminded me a lot of like Disneyland. It's like Disneyland for, you know, for people who are on plural marriages and orgies. Um, which tries, so Disneyland tries really hard to present this image of happiness and fulfillment while seductively draining you, your wallet and your life energies. Uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoy going to Disneyland uh, and hit, hitting the rides, but Vegas takes that Disneyland attitude and amplifies it in some of the worst extremes. Uh, My wife and I, we saw scores of women handing out cards to promote prostitution and pornographic materials, as well as several people, including American veterans, begging on the streets because they had become homeless in the middle of what I pretty much consider hell on earth. All right? If there's any city in the Western world that I can consider hell on earth, it is Las Vegas. Although I will say this, Las Vegas is a thousand times cleaner than what I've heard about some of the stuff going on in uh, current-day San Francisco. But that's a conversation for another time. Um, another example: I uh, an article I read uh, from the Matt Walsh blog. Matt Walsh is a Christian, uh, and he's received some national acclaim for his online articles. Um, it, if you've seen some of his stuff on on uh, Facebook or YouTube or whatever um, you know he's he's kind of made a name for himself and he's a lot of what he talks about is really good sometimes he goes a little bit too far he gets a little too i don't know I don't know how to describe it. but this particular piece that he wrote on divorce and how one of his readers emailed him about how she was getting ready to celebrate a divorce, whether it was her own or a friend's was never clear but Walsh highlighted that she had that he had a run-in with another of his readers at a local grocery store who, while on his third marriage, claimed that divorce just happens. So you know, he talks about these two people, one who is celebrating a divorce, one who says that divorce just happens. Uh, what's sad is that that is a common attitude that pervades our culture. And it's an attitude that stems from living as the world lives and worshiping the self above God. It's a chain reaction of sinful behavior that leads to worshipping counterfeit gods that overpromise and underdeliver. A little bit ago I highlighted how I, you know, had to learn about the application of physics in martial arts. It only takes about 5 pounds of force to break a nose and 12 pounds of force to simultaneously dislocate a shoulder and break an elbow. When I almost hyperextended my knee, it was because my training partner was doing his own thing instead of paying attention. And the sinful nature that Paul describes in Galatians works in a similar fashion. Our sin doesn't just affect us. That's a lie, that's a misconception. Sin doesn't just affect us individually, it can affect others as well. If we look back at Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 27, uh, Noah and his family have just come off the ark. The flood waters have receded. He, uh, Noah, plants a vineyard, uh, and he gets drunk on on the wine that he harvests. And something happens with his son Ham, we're, uh, and uh, we're not. I'm not really sure what the ins and outs of it are, but it it gets caught up in sin, and a, and his attitude and actions place a divine curse on the entire race of people, the Canaanites, that descend from Ham Joyce Meyer who is a a well-respected author she wrote a book called Hearing from God Each Morning and in this book she refers to people who carry such attitudes as hard-hearted and in danger of hurting people and not even being aware that they are doing so (coughs) excuse me which grieves the heart of God because they are busy doing their own thing. But there's another chain reaction that we come across in our passage from Galatians. Most modern translations refer to this list of spiritual traits in verses 22 and 23 as the fruit of the Spirit. So I want to take another look at this list from those verses once again. The list goes like this. Love, joy, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The catalyst for everything on this list is love. L O V E love. Now permit me. <coughs> Excuse me, dry throat. I should had I should have had some water with me here. But permit me if you'll let me get ahead of myself for just a moment. It's my personal feeling, this is not doctrine according to the Bible, not doctrine according to any uh, theologian or anything like that. This is just my personal take on it, that there are only five human emotions. Five. Joy, sorrow, anger, fear, and revenge. Revenge is the most human. And you might be thinking, Oh wait, Garrett, why did you switch gears? I thought we were talking about love. Isn't love a human emotion? Love can be emotional, but true love isn't emotion, it's an action, it's a choice. In our human understanding, we misappropriate the word love. We typically think of love in romantic terms. The Greek word for love is eros, or at least for that kind of love. Eros, E-R-O-S. This is where we get the word erotic. It's a passionate, devil-may-care uh, emotional state that resembles something like insanity on a biochemical level. All right. But the kind of love that Paul describes in Galatians is the is the Greek word agape, uh, which is an unconditional action based on a choice to pursue a Christ-centered lifestyle. First John 4, 7 and 8 says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Godly love catalyzes this spiritual chain reaction. And the second step to actually is actually the first of the five human emotions. So, he starts with love. The next one is joy. Joy. Of all the five human emotions, joy is the one thing that brings us closest in our relationship with God. Because it takes our self out of the equation. I once helped out with a vacation Bible school. And we used J-O-Y as an acronym during a crew leader briefing. J J stands for Jesus. When we put Jesus first, we're immediately placing our focus and our worship where it belongs. Nothing counterfeit about that. We're putting it right where it needs to be. When we fail to do that, we are violating God's commandment of putting no other gods before Him. The throne of our hearts belongs to Christ alone. The O stands for others. When we put others before ourselves, we are immediately obeying Christ's command to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, which is found in Matthew 19, 19, chapter 19, verse 19. Uh, this can be applied through, our, through outreach ministry, through resourcing the under-resourced, or as simply as not looking out for number one. I mean, that's kind of how we operate for the most part as human beings. We look out for number one. And, you know, if we're in a marriage, we look out for our spouse. If we've got kids, we look out for the kids. But typically, our motivation is very self-centered, is very selfish. We look out for number one, when we should be looking out for other people first. Not to the expense of being a doormat, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But others should come first. The Y obviously stands for yourself. So Jesus, others, yourself. This seems really counterintuitive in life because, as I said, human beings are self-centered and that self-centered attitude is the core of our modern culture. The world says look out for number one. The only person you can trust is yourself. But the truth be told, when we take ourselves out of the equation, the misalignment of priorities becomes resolved. It may not land us in the happiest of circumstances all the time, but that's the point. We shouldn't be focusing on happiness because happiness focuses on the self happiness is an attitude of me first me only happiness is temporary and it's affected by what is happening around us and because of its temporary or temporal nature happiness can leave us feeling unsatisfied and empty but if we know God who is love that brings us to a place where we can feel joy Joy leaves us feeling content and satisfied because that God-shaped hole in our lives is now filled. In other words, we find peace. Now, a Buddhist might say that the path to finding peace is to empty your mind and meditate and you can find peace inside yourself. I've talked about my trip to Japan and how I contemplated going into Buddhism because I was having a, a crisis of faith, a spiritual awakening. Um and to be honest, after researching the heck out of Buddhism, I've found that emptying your mind and meditating is just not true. It's not you're not gonna find any peace. You might find some calmness. You might be really good at breathing and focusing your breathing, but you're not gonna find peace. I mean, I tried to pursue Buddhism. And it felt really, really useless because I felt even more frustrated. I felt worse because I was missing Christ in my life. I couldn't do it on my own. In fact, that's the point. None of us can. We can't save ourselves. But through Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, we, say that, we sing that at Christmas, through Christ, we can experience true peace. And that peace creates a further trickle-down effect that leads us to becoming more patient. When we are peaceful, we are patient which in turn causes us to express kindness and goodness to others. Goodness reflects Christ's Spirit directing our behavior. It produces a deeper understanding of what it means to be faithful. Faithful in our walk with the Lord, faithful in our relationships with others, faithful in our marriages and our families. Faithfulness lends itself to creating gentler spirits within us. And all of that, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, and the gentleness all culminates in self-control, which is the very thing that we're missing when we choose to place ourselves first, when we choose to worship the self over God, when we embrace the sinful nature that Paul was talking about. And the, the thing is, you can't skip any of those. You can't skip the love. You can't skip the peace or the joy. You can't put them out of order because when you take them out of order, you're not doing it right. And now I'm not talking about things from a religious standpoint here. So don't confuse it. What I'm saying is, you know, this is how you're supposed to religiously be a Christian. What I'm saying is when you take those things out of order, out of sequence, it changes the whole mixture. And it's not going to lead to the self-control that we so desperately need. So the takeaway from this, the world tells us to focus on ourselves. To do what makes us feel happy no matter the cost. In short order, put yourself on the throne of your heart where Christ belongs. The truth is, your sin, is and when you do that, when you focus on just yourself, it's going to impact everything else in your life. Your sin impacts other people, not just you. Scripture tells us the exact opposite. It says that we need to put Christ first on the throne of our lives. And that everlasting love that we experience because Christ is the way to God and God is love, catalyzes our spiritual chain reaction to experience true and real self-control. Again, this goes back to what I introduced in the last episode, uh, the, the, the purpose statement from the church that I belong to. The, the, when I say church, I mean the congregation that I'm a part of, uh, First Baptist Hanford. It is, love God, love people, serve the world. It's taking ourselves out of the equation and putting God and other people first. In fact, this, it, that is the crux of the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments. In fact, in the Gospels, uh, a Pharisee comes up and asks Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus boils it down to two. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like it, love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. He boils it down into two commandments. Love God, love people, serve the world. In fact, if you go back and you look at all ten of those commandments, the first four are about how we love God. Commandments 6-10 through 10 are about how we love people. The fifth commandment has to deal with how we honor our, our mother and father. And if we are capable of honoring our mother and father who are on earth, we should be capable of honoring God who is our father in heaven. And if we're capable of doing that, then that little microcosm of our family should be how we are able to respect and honor and love the rest of the world. So I'm going to leave you guys with this. Do you really have self-control? Honestly take stock of your life and see if that's true. If not, you might need to revisit uh, Galatians 5, 16-26. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for its convictions. <clears throat> it is our prayer and my prayer that as we are learning how to uh, love You and love others and and serve the world, Lord, that uh, You help us remember to take ourselves out of the equation. It's not about us. It's about You and how You want us to interact with the rest of the world. We are the visible reflection of Your invisible qualities, Lord. When people see us They should be seeing you. Help us do that. Guide us in how to do it better. We lift all these things to you. In your precious and holy name. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. Uh, Hope that this has been a blessing to you and uh, hopefully you'll join me for the next episode.